Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Let's Talk Revenue Marketing podcast, brought to you by the Revenue Marketing Alliance. Today, we're joined by our podcast hosts, Eve Chen and Paul Sweeney, who are kicking things off by answering the fundamental question, what is revenue marketing and how might it evolve in the future? Well, hi, Eve. Nice to meet you. Um, we're here to talk about revenue marketing, but why don't we start talking a little bit about ourselves and introducing ourselves? So why don't you spend a minute or two telling us about who you are, what you do, and um, yeah, how you've arrived on this uh, on this podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, um, Paul, great to uh, catch up again. Um, so yeah, the, um, in terms of a revenue marketing, so, um, that is something that actually, you know, um, bumping the to it probably about without knowing the term actually revenue marketing roughly about 15 years ago um when i was the head of marketing uh, back in australia so at a time that i was uh, um, leading the australia new zealand marketing operations for lexmark and um, my background has always been in the uh, workflow solutions and moving from like um i've basically been the head of marketing for a number of multinational um back in my enterprise day and uh, so it was uh, really, I came about the um, the topic itself and interesting enough, and I came across the book called uh, um, The Digital Body Language. I think it was published uh, in 2009 by Steve Wood. Um, he is obviously co-founders of Aloqua mm-hmm. at the time. And uh, it was actually an event I, uh, I went to, and uh, um, it was starting to talk about like a MarTech and um, back in those days, it was a kind of a strange word, well, terminology to me. And we were doing like a traditional way. You know, a lot of the marketing is oriented around events. And, you know, we do a lot of CEO roundtables and, um, you know, being in um, in that enterprise space. Our, primarily, our uh, my customers were enterprise and we have like medium sizes the uh, business uh, that we sell to resell, resellers. And so when you came, um, you know, when I came across this term, and I bought that book, and uh, it, it taken taken me on a journey to be honest. And you know, obviously, you know, it was pretty pretty exciting. The the technology sounds, you know, um, pretty sexy and pretty promising, and you can you know do so much more with you know your existing resource. So you know, the first thing I I, I look at that really more from a productivity play. Because you know, we I had um even that um I was with Lexma multinational companies and we had a relatively small team, so there was only five of us. So we have to manage the entire um you know all different channels from retail uh, SME all the way to enterprise, and covering you know uh, a couple of geography as well. So um you know I brought in the uh, consultant Alpha at the time that didn't even have the uh, in-house uh, um office uh, in-house employees there so they they primarily selling through um the vast value added resellers and um so I brought in this company and then I started to understand a little bit more and so we started deploying the system and very, very quickly, I realized that um, I, I kind of opened a can of worms, to be honest. And, um, you know, we were frankly trying to understand how to use this, you know, you know, pretty amazing technology to, to kind of conduct our business. And uh, very quickly, I realized there's a lot of changes we need to put in place that, that probably our organization was not even ready for. 
Um, so I brought in another outside agency who understands the uh, automation component and they um, they have a lot of experience in the um, enterprise uh, marketing marketing technology. And uh, um, so started the building our campaigns and um, and our team, funny enough that um, because, you know, uh, Eloqua has no base in Australia. So um, we literally were just, you know, um, rolling our campaign with without training. And we were just, you know, trying to pick up as we go. And um, so the, the uptake was uh, pretty slow. But on top of that, uh, um, very quickly, I also realized that there wasn't a culture in our company to really understand that how this piece of technology really can enhance our operation. So that's kind of the background, you know, long journey. And it seems that I have written a whole book about it. I actually just launched it actually yesterday. And uh, Congratulations. Um, Oh, thank you. Yeah, and you know, inside you really talk about diving to the pain points. You know, like how I, um, you know, in in the uh, since two thousand nine, you know, I rolled out the Aloquad automation tool and um, all the journey. You know, the pain that I, I went through literally. And since then, I set up my own companies, and uh, um, you know, basically using that learning to help my customer to avoid some of the um the teething um pain that I went through. So yeah, lots to talk about this bit topic revenue marketing is and even come down to very basic, right? And um in terms of what is the definition. There's people, you know, looking at it from a technological point of view, and some other, you know, looking more from the process and uh strategy point of view. Um, so there's so much to unpack. And um, you know, I, I intend to use this podcast, obviously, you know, this is our first episode. And as we kind of continue this dialogue, um, I intend to bring on some other um, senior marketers and in fact, even from a sales side and mm. uh, really look at the, um, their perspective and the pain they gone through as well as they deployed the um, revenue marketing practice in the organization. So yeah, that's a bit of my stories. And what about you, Paul? And what's your journey? To, um, how did you bump into um, the term revenue marketing? And what is your story there? Yeah, interestingly, my introduction to revenue marketing also came via a book. Um, probably about 10 years ago now, there was a book released by Brian Halligan and Damesh Shah, who are the co-founders of HubSpot, which is a CRM platform, which is now more of a kind of more of an enterprise platform across a number of different areas. And they released a book that's above me now, actually, called Inbound. <clears throat> and my experience of marketing or my thought process around marketing prior to that book was purely analog. I thought marketing was analog prior to reading that book. You went to events, you published flyers, you produced a catalog, and you hoped it influenced revenue. You you know you, you stuck your finger in the air and you hoped it. Actually, I was thinking today, when was the third? When was the first time I tried to do any sort of marketing attribution, trying to work out what impact anything that I did from a marketing perspective had on sales? And I realized in about two thousand and eight we produced my employer at the time was a book publisher and we had an enormous catalog of books and we produced a catalog and on the front of the catalog we had a code and we hoped when people rang up they would quote the code back at us so we could attribute all of the sales back to that code and back to some sort of revenue figure that was the first time i tried to attribute anything to revenue and i thought oh that was cool we should try and do more of that but it's kind of analog and the internet was obviously big at that point but marketing was still very much an analog industry. I think it was probably in 20, 
11 or 12, I read the inbound book by um, Brian Halligan and Domesh Shah. And it was a real light bulb moment for me. And they posited the theory that your best leads come from people who come to you. You have to act like a honeypot and then capture that demand and then offer a seamless, slick process all the way through to sales. And I was like, goodness me, you're right. People are out there looking to buy stuff, whether it's B2B, B2C. You know, we naturally want to buy stuff to fix our problems, to solve a solution. And it's about capturing that demand and offering a seamless process. And I remember at that moment thinking it completely flipped my thinking about marketing and really intensified my kind of digital first approach to marketing. At that point, I just threw myself into digital. I, you know, I changed employer, got involved in the tech industry because they were very quickly adopting the kind of inbound marketing approaches where you tend to find the innovation. Um, so yeah, it's a book, Shah. Uh, Brian Halligan, I recommend anyone reads it. It's starting to age a bit in terms of the theory because I think most people know that inbound marketing, um, you know, it's been knocking around for quite a while now or permission-based marketing where you, you, I think traditionally you would offer contents that people want to read in exchange for, um, in exchange for private details and then you could start to market to them. But yeah, I'd really encourage people to give that book a read and it was the kind of gateway drug for me to get involved in uh, in revenue marketing. So I think that's, I think if we kind of track back from a technology perspective, that is the, um, that's the genesis, if you like. That's the start of it. Um, and that's the first point where people started to say, okay, come to us and then we will guide you through the sales process and we will remove the friction. We'll provide you with the content to do it. And then at the end of that, you've got the marketing touches that lead to revenue and you can start to attribute um, you know, and wait and start to really start to unpick how you, um, how you solidify and perfect that sales process. So that was my gateway into revenue marketing. Um, I didn't know it was called revenue marketing. I've never really heard it, heard the name or brand, uh, used until probably four or five years ago when, um, you know, someone much cleverer than me put a, put a ribbon around it and termed it revenue marketing. But I do think it's that process of, uh, capturing latent demand and funneling that through into what you do from a marketing perspective into sales and out the other end into revenue and then began to look at that holistically from start to finish you know what revenue can we backwards attribute to marketing what can we learn from that so yeah same as you my introduction to it was via a book like the uh, like the best things right no no it's uh that is super awesome yeah um yeah, it, it is absolutely interesting because, you know, like you said, that uh, revenue marketing is a term. In fact, I did a bit of research. I actually don't know who invented the term. So, you know, obviously, um, somebody obviously come up with a term, but... Uh, it's up for grabs. Maybe we should claim it. <laughs> yes, yeah, that would be good. Yeah, since the, uh, the, the, um, the organization's Revenue Marketing Alliance, right, and the show is, let's talk about revenue marketing. Um, yeah, so um, that was... Uh, um, I think it was just a very organical, like, you know, kind of evolutions. And it really started out from MarTech companies who were driving that. And, you know, and then, you know, I do actually come across, a, you know, like all the CRM, I mean, the MarTech um, uh, companies, they talk about that term. And there's a few consulting uh, firms that I have seen that, you know, kind of come up with some definition. Okay. And this is going to be interesting because, you know, I'm definitely, you know, more on the um, business side and um, I do understand operations, you know, in terms of down to get my hands dirty and then, you know, kind of set things up. But uh, I, I am by no means technical. So uh, um, I tend to look at things more on the um, 
strategies and the process, structure, skills, and you know, your people culture, that kind of component. So um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting because you know, as we we kind of bring on and continue this dialogue with you know um broader uh community members in B2B marketing. Uh, it would be interesting to to look at how people kind of tackle and 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 kind of view this you know humongous topic. Because at the end of the day, I think business, uh, um, you know, it's it's all about to me, you know, profit is important, but uh, to grow revenue, you know, uh, growth is still should should be the top metric. Because yeah. obviously, yeah. to grow uh, without you know increasing your pie, um. You know your growth can go so far, right? And um, you can uh, work on your profit portfolios and uh, trying to really maximize that, optimize that. But then you know it gets you so far. You know you you have to either start cutting people, cutting your costs, right? Instead of you know um, whereas to me that um, you know a business to grow, you really need to be laser focused on that that top line. So uh, when we talk about the uh, revenue, in my view. Um, there is, you know, three major ways of capturing revenues, right? So, um, you know, obviously this is acquisition, go out to the green fields and trying to hunt for more logos. And um, and the second, obviously, you know, um, they always say that it's easier to retain your customers and uh, to expand, you know, to increase that share of wallets, right? So, you know, it's always easier to kind of keep your customers happy. You know, in fact, I think the statistic tells us that it's five times easier to, you know, uh, keep your customer than to uh, acquire a new customer. I think and, you make a really good point there, because I think actually customer retention and expansion is a real blind spot for revenue marketing. I think revenue marketing at the moment is interpreted as a organic growth of d- demand generation which is very net new focused. I think right. a real challenge for revenue marketing practitioners moving forward is to ha- show how revenue marketers contribute and actually marketing per se. So I do think that ultimately revenue marketing is just marketing, um, but and has always and always has been, it's just that we can prove the revenue now. Um, but I do think that customer expansion and customer, you know, moving into different product lines, what it's not like you get to the end of a buyer's journey and the first time you buy something, you never engage with marketing again. You're still going to be involved in programs. You're still going to be consuming content. You're still going to be, you know, in email nurtures. There are probably still thousands of marketing touches across an enterprise organization that are being captured by marketing. But revenue marketing tends to be portrayed as a a natural evolution of demand generation, which is very net new focused, right? Net new names into marketing qualified leads, into sales qualified leads, into meetings booked, into revenue. And I think we've kind of perfected that or... I think it's, yeah, we, we have kind of perfected that. I think where the challenge lies for us is to show value across the whole customer life cycle because ultimately revenue isn't just from new customers, right? Not all of the you know revenue from um, customers can be attributed to a salesperson. It'll go against their name, right? But I think they're still going to be consuming marketing content. And it's absolutely fair that marketing takes some of the um, some of the credit for that. They're producing the content, they're producing the webinars, they're producing the white papers, they're producing the data sheets that you know that organizations are consuming as they go through a separate sales journey into expansion or into a different product line. So you've got, you know, if you work for a company with multiple products or um, in multiple markets as well. So yeah, I think that's a real blind spot for revenue marketing is how do we influence the customer beyond that first purchase? Yeah, no, absolutely. And in fact, uh, um, it's only this year I saw an e-book and 
um, it started to kind of change that buyer's journey. So, you know, you see the funnel, you know, we have these, you know, attractions and you start nurturing and, you know, start mm-hmm. to bring them down to the funnels and then qualify them as marketing leads and then, you know, uh, sales uh, um, qualified leads and then sales accepted leads and then, you know, trying to convert into sales, right? And this is actually the first year I've seen that the, the dialogue and the terminology starting to change and I started to see this infinite um, loop kind of, you know, starting to um, looking at it, it's actually um, um, the journey doesn't stop. You know, it's not really a um, inverse triangle anymore. So, you know, um, the job doesn't stop until you convert the sales, you know, um, then the marketer has to move on to convert these, you know, happy customer into evangelist. And then, you know, um, they gonna they might actually, you know, uh, get to the point that, uh, um, your services, service and solution is no longer adding value, then where do you go from here? So um, I, I think this evolution is uh, um, actually critical in terms of driving the business strategy forward in a way that, you know, because the way we look at a funnel is changing, we have to continuously to evolve ourselves as a business. You know, your, your job is not done. You know, when the sales is converted, you know, then you got to start to return them and then you're going to grow with your customer because your customers are changing as well. Not just, you know, if you're not on top of that, you basically get to the point. It's just like that traditional product life cycle. You get to the decline point, but then how do you reinvent yourself to, you know, get another hump up? to starting to, you know, kind of instead of diving down and like some of the old, um, you know, case study we've heard about Kodak, for example, in the film industry, or, you know, Sarah Lee's and uh, some of the like um, women lingeries as well, you know, the the back in the days you have uh, uh, very different stockings and then got to the point nobody cares about that and because women, you know, our lifestyle is changing as well. So how does company, you know, really be a step ahead of, you know, your, your market, your customer, really understanding that your customer's changing, that so I need to actually grow with them. And then by even just, you know, shifting that framework, your lens of looking at the, how, how, how do you actually develop revenue, ongoing sustainable revenue, um, you know, by turning that into an infinite loop, that really changed your entire business um, strategy. And in terms, you will impact, impact your structure, your go to markets and so on and so forth. So, you know, uh, obviously, you know, not a big topic. And I, I want to hope, hopefully we can cover, if not in this show, later down the track and um, in terms of brand, because brand marketers, you know, will come come um, across and say, hey, revenue marketing is not about, it's not everything, it's not marketing. <laughs> Uh, I am a very data-driven, data analytic-based um, marketer. In fact, you know, back in the days when I was promoted and I told my boss, you know, um, you can give me anything, but do not give me Marco manager title. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a brand manager. I am not a Marco person. Uh, I'm here to make you money. <laughs> so, yeah, I think um, I think that's a good point. I, I've come to the acceptance over time that that some marketing isn't, it is just brand and that, and you need a solid brand to underpin everything. And it's very difficult to quantify the intangibles of brand on the bottom line. You're not going to see it in a funnel. You're not going to see it in an infinite loop. It exists outside of that ethereally elsewhere, probably a little bit unmeasurable. And I think that's just fine. 
that some campaigns, some parts of marketing are just brand and brand is important. The best, the best companies, the biggest companies, the most successful companies all have a great brand. You can't measure it. You can't pass it through a funnel and that's okay. Um, it just it, it influences heavily what we do as revenue marketers and there's an interchange between the two, but uh, the, and it's probably a natural tension between the two, right? Because brand folk will push back at us trying to measure every centimeter of marketing and they will, and they said, we can't measure this. What do you want to measure? It is just creating a great brand is often about experience. It's about emotion and you can't measure those things. They're deeply personal to the person. And I'm really, you know, the best companies I've worked at have had great brand marketers who can tap into that. It's not my skill set. I'll be honest about it. <laughs> like you, I trend towards um, metrics and trend towards the MarTech, but I'm, I'm really pleased there are people out there who can do it well. Yeah, I'd lo- love to actually explore more. I-, I certainly don't have all the answers. And I'm sure that, you know, in the upcoming episodes, I'd love to bring some ma- brand markers on the show as well to really get the, um, their view and how they look at the metrics and, you know, using a systematic approach, you know, in terms of managing brand portfolios. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, you know, another thing that I want to bring out is, you know, obviously our world has changed significantly in the last, you know, few years due to the pandemics. And, um, you know, we are just about to head into a, um, a global recession, which mm-hmm. is, you know, uh, I think most companies, you know, uh, in my consulting practices, you know, especially in the last few months, um, a lot of uh, senior executives are pretty, pretty, um, you know, um, nervous in a way. And, um, you know, really cautiously, nervously, you know, um, look looking at, you know, where is where is the economy going, and how can they, uh, you know, still kind of survive and then um, defend. And uh, some company probably can even grow during recession, right? And so, you know, that becomes, you know, really f- very much, you know, the tension. As I was, you know, writing the book in the last two three years, and um, the terms of revenue marketing become even more important. And in fact, even beyond that, it's it's about growth marketing. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I would you know definitely want to bring a few uh, company that you know during the the pandemic and how what they have been doing, and consumers and uh, even in the B two B right, you know, uh, a lot of the field sales was like, how is this thing gonna work? You know, because we all locked down, we can't go out, right? Can't go to events and. The yeah, event yeah. he's so hard, right? Um, and I do think the, the the pandemic threw rocket fuel on a trend that the starting gun was probably started or fired some time ago. And I think I genuinely think the the the, the big the big explosion or the big bang for revenue marketing was almost the entire buyer's journey moving online. I think prior to that, trying to attribute any and how do you attribute you driving down the freeway past a billboard where someone's put an advert on it. You can't attribute to that. How do you attribute uh, putting a an advert in a newspaper? How do you attribute putting a flyer through someone's door? You can't attribute any of that. You can't measure it. You can't, you know, you ultimately you can't weigh it and say this contributes this much to revenue. But we've had this slow journey, actually not slow, but um, you know, this progress over the last maybe 20 years, certainly since I started my career, where so if you think about buying a car right go to the b2c world for a moment when i bought my when i purchased my first car i went into five different dealerships or four courts depending on which side of the atlantic you sit on and 
I went and spoke to a salesperson in each of them to research my own buyer's journey. I was still going through a buyer's journey, right? But I needed a salesperson. I needed an industry expert or a subject matter expert to guide me through it. I then kind of passed myself through that funnel, um, you know, excluding cars, excluding dealerships, excluding brands until I bought my car, right? If I buy a car now, I'm not, the only forecourt I'm walking on to is the one where I'm buying a car from because I've done my research online, all of it. Right. I, I still started at the same point, whereas I need a new car. I'm going to start wide, but I'm going to websites. I'm going to YouTube. Yeah. I'm going to TikTok, probably starting to refine and go down the buyer's journey online. Yeah, and the great right. thing online is that you can actually, you know, if I went on the Ford website, they know that I've started my buyer's journey with Ford. If I then go on to the Peugeot website, I've started a buyer's journey with Peugeot and they know that. And they're picking up these early intent signals and these early buyer signals. They're anonymous touches at this point, right? Because they don't know my contact details, but they will be offering me, um, you know, great content in exchange for my details. And they will be attributing back to that. And I do think that fundamental shift from the buyer's journey being an analog one to being a digital one is why we're talking today. Because if we were still in an analog world, then we can't measure anything and marketing is kind of putting its finger in the air, hoping to have an idea of what it contributed to revenue. And I think to your point about the pandemic, what that did was throw rocket fuel on that trend because yeah. we kind of existed in a world where digital was gobbling analog marketing anyway. And yeah. it was also gobbling and eating into the sales cycle. So you know, depending on where you go for your research, about 90% of the buyer's journey is now with marketing because it's online and the final 10% is with sales. It, anywhere between 50 to 90%, depending on where you get your data from. But mark, just to be clear, the, the progress is towards marketing owning more and more and more of that funnel. And the pandemic just really, really chucked gasoline on that process because yeah. what can you do that was analog? We're all sat in our house. Like yeah. no one's no one's no one's yeah. knocking on your door or yeah. you're not driving past any billboards on the on the freeway anymore. Your you know you your only outsource and link to the outside world was your laptop, your iPad, your phone. And if you had digital skills at that point, you were really in demand. And I certainly, you know, certainly saw that and I felt for the you know, the event marketers and the analog marketers who had to learn some new skills. Um, but I do think that process was already in train and yeah. is and is continuing in train. The pandemic, it had lots of effects, lots of them terrible. Um, but it did throw some absolute kerosene on the transition from analog to digital um, in marketing. Yeah, I think that's a great analogy. And uh, I have always worked in the IT industries, uh, um, you know, back in the, the 2000, early 2000. And um, so I, I, we probably, you know, the technology sector is definitely the early adopter. So we're more comfortable. And definitely I've seen that in the last three years and the turn of uh, um, digital transformation, you know, it, it just is such a uh, focus for the sales marketing industry. And uh, and hundred percent, you know, like you say, it's, it's really, you know, because we're forced to, you know, it's, it's we are being shut down. What are you gonna do, right? And and the car buying um story is definitely also a really great um uh, example. Like uh, I I when I bought in Australia, and it's exactly like you say, you go to five six dealers, and you can actually do that in a day. And then in the US, here is even um you know. It's very different, and because you know, going to one dealer, 
is a whole day thing. Dealer will basically keep you in their premises whole day. And you are waiting there. You know, I, I have no idea sometimes what I'm waiting for. And mm-hmm. so it becomes, you know, such a common practice that the consumers and um, they they don't want to go to dealer until they actually know exact model, you know, exact feature they want to buy. So uh, I would do this. So I don't want to go to the dealership and then, you know, being kept there all day. And um, so, you know, I actually go there with cash or with, you know, credit ready to to sign a contract, really. I'm happy with my price. I'm, ha- you know, happy with the color. Yeah. Every feature is already researched online. Yeah. And um, I research into their payment plan, you know, um, you know, because I have business, I put them on, you know. Um, a, a That's an important distinction, though, because you, you have done all of that research yourself before. And not that long ago, you'd have had to spoken to a salesperson to understand their credit terms, to understand their plans, to understand, you know, whether those alloys come in 18 inches or 20 inches, to understand whether that color is metallic. You, all of that would have had to be in a conversation, a one-to-one conversation between you and someone else. Whereas now that's the conversation between you and your web browser. <laughs> you can, yeah, you, can exactly. do it, you can do it all yourself. Yeah, I, I'm just throwing a statistic here. You know, Garner was just come out with a study last year, uh, um, even in the B2B space, and only 17% of uh, um, the customers, they want to talk to potential suppliers. So mm-hmm. Facebook. So basically, you know, uh, even in the B2B space, and it's changing drastically in the last couple of years. Um, And then there's another stack I'm just reading here. It says that the um, B2B customers progress 57% of the way through the purchase decision-making process before even engaging a sales rep. I think that's conservative. (laughs) I think that's really conservative. I think they probably go through much more of the sales cycle than that. yeah, pretty much to the point where they just want to know what the price is. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, obviously, there are obviously there are some complex solutions right out there where you need to engage um, okay. solutions architects. Um, where that's not the case, but a typical B two B sale, if you're just looking for a provider of paper for your office, what, yeah, what, you you just find the right price and go with them. Yeah, it's gonna be an interesting dialogue. Uh, my next episode, I'm actually bringing um one uh, senior salesperson and uh, CMOs and uh, really having a bit of a spa uh, between the two of them. Because, you know, because of these trends, you actually elevated the importance of marketing roles. Because, you know, we be marketers have to drastically adapt ourselves and uh, with all these trends and to really putting on the sales hat because we are now like um, the way we engage with customers online, we have to take, you know, some of this heavy lifting do the selling before they, you know, customer even pick out the phone or visit a dealership, um, you know, to, to say, hey, I'm here to with ready with money to buy. So yeah. um, it, it presents opportunity as well as a lot of cha- challenges to marketers in my view. Because our marketers out there ready, you know, um, sales and marketing are, are very different, um, different disciplines, really. You know the way that we look at the world are, um, are really different as well. And sales to be tend to be a lot transactional. We want to see you know um, actions and see uh, results right now. You know there's always a turn from zero to heroes, from hero to zero. So you know they operating a month to months kind of um, you know that kind of a world view. Marketers tend to look at you know longer term, um, like twelve months. You know like our planning is done in twelve month cycles and 
um, like when I was back in the especially Japanese culture, I do three to five years, you know, midterm planning. So I need to be in a position to know that where my company is going to be positioned, going to be at, compete against uh, in three years time. So, so, you know, when I talk to sales, they don't they don't care about that. They want the money now. Right. Um, so this, marketers need to juggle this short term and a long term goals. You know, we need to be able to move the company, you know, like earlier we were saying that, you know, be ahead of the customer and understand that, you know, how how they changing in the three years time. We need to be preparing right now and, you know, in, in you know, uh, kind of coping with the market changes. Sales don't don't care about that. They want a transaction and they do the heavy lifting, you know, and keeping the survival of the company. Right. Because they, they need to bring that result now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be fascinating, I think, because all these changes happening. Um, yeah, yeah, and the role of sales is going to remain important, right? They're, they're still they're still the people that rake in the money, which fuels the company, which pays everyone's uh, pays everyone's salary. So this isn't to you know, diminish their importance here. It's just a, yeah. a reflection of the changing nature of how people buy. Um, I think even you know salespeople, either tenured salespeople who've gone through the last you know couple of decades would have felt that change, right? From okay, I. I'm involved early and I'm contributing lots of value really early in the sales process through to, okay, lots of this is being done online now. So I think the sales, you know, the successful sales reps moving forward will be those that move with the change rather than try and fight it. You know, if you can become a digital first salesperson, start to look at, okay, who, you know, what organizations are landing on my website today that I can capture that, you know, capture that intent and start, you know, frame my sales outreaches around um some of the kind of marketing signals that are being passed over to me i think they're the they're the salespeople that are going to thrive in this digital first world no you're absolutely right and um the changes come you know impact not just marketers but absolutely sales as well because they need to understand consumer behaviors are changing and how would they you know um the leads that are coming from marketing you know if they are qual- uh, quality leads um, they need to be on top of it. And there's the the um, I guess the volume coming through, it can be overwhelming for them as well. So I heard one um CMO was telling me that um in the way that she you know operates in her business and um because she has the proof that marketing is showing results, um, if you know those leads are not being follow up, then the, um she basically unplugged the program. So um, and so it, it really becomes, you know, uh, sales marketing need to work, you know, hand in hand even more than ever. I think, you know, um, sales marketing alignment is still one of the biggest challenges, you know, in many organizations. Um, and um, how does the sales, you know, successful sales need to adapt as well, just as much as ma- successful marketers. You know, end of the day that uh, I personally look at, you know, there will be a lot of convergence between these two groups. And we almost need to starting to rethink the terminology instead of calling it sales marketing or marketing. Um, almost need to kind of you know bring them together and call them just revenue generation team. Because yeah, you do see that in some companies. You're starting you're starting to see it. That that is fantastic to know. Fantastic to know. Yeah, because uh, um, well, from my point of view, you know, I do see um, companies still really very much you know uh, operating silos and. Um, you know, the the there's a lot of the effort being wasted. So you know, you're not really optimizing your system, your process, and uh, getting that result happening. And purely because that you know, two two teams still operating in silos, and still a lot of misalignment happening. 
Yeah. So, yeah. I um, think one area that you're, um, you're clearly very strong is, is culture. And, uh, I, I, like I said earlier, my, my skill set trends towards the technology. So something I'm really interested in hearing probably from, uh, you, cause I probably can't add a huge amount of value here is, you know, how you, what does good culture look like that engenders good revenue marketing, I guess, you know, what, what is the framework? How, what, what's the process look like from A to B? I can design a process of MarTech that takes you from capturing intent through to lead flow into, uh, into, into sales and then probably produce you a nice dashboard at the end that shows, that shows revenue. But that's not, that's not creating culture, right? That's creating dashboards. So I'm really interested to hear um, your experiences there as you kind of unpack these podcast series. Because I think that's a, I think that's a, a podcast in itself is what does revenue marketing culture need to look like? Yeah, no, I can't agree more. Yeah, we're definitely diving to those dialogues in the coming coming weeks. Um, and another thing I'd love to explore as well with your experience and also um, knowledge in, in the MarTech world. Um, now that I think if you just, you know, Google um, MarTech solutions out there, there's thousands of logos. <laughs> and now with, you know, artificial intelligence coming up, and we also heard of the terms like content in context and so personalization, right? And as you know, marketers and sales understand that you know, customer experience is critical in terms of not just acquisition piece, but more importantly, retention piece, right? Um, so how does technology also play a role um, in you know supporting that um that ultimate that, that best you know customer experience uh, with the company, right? So um, yeah, I'd love to understand. I have, I certainly, you know, it's mind boggling. I can't catch up with, you know, the amount of a new tech coming out. Yeah. yeah. I think we're I starting would... to see a little bit of consolidation in that market. I think because um, the really key players in the market are starting to view themselves as platforms, kind of end-to-end platforms rather than doing a single part of the journey. I think they are starting to realize that, okay, this end-to-end view is really important. Instead of just being, um, you know, a CRM, we also need to be, um, you know, be able to interact with the website. We also need to provide and get involved in content hosting and content solutions. And we also need to offer a chatbot. And all of these things are starting to come together. You see it in the kind of Adobe world who um, Adobe owns Marketo and you're starting to see some consolidation in that market. They purchased a company recently called Visible and they're turning that into their attribution, multi-touch attribution model Um you see it with HubSpot as well. They don't, I don't, not so familiar that they purchase other companies, but they tend to develop their own. And they they start at the marketing end of moved towards Salesforce, and Salesforce starts at the sales end of moving towards the marketing side. Yeah. So I think what we will end end up with is a handful of platforms that offer end-to-end views, and you will pick your pick your, you know, which one suits you and suits your particular enterprise. Um, at the moment, you're right, you still have quite a lot of fragmented solutions that specialize in a particular area. I my gut feeling is we'll see some consolidation there or, you know, yeah. organizations that say we can't just focus here. We've got to broaden out a little bit or they'll be acquired. And that will be the particular point in the, in the you know, platform suite that the larger company is missing. Um, starting to see that now. And I think that's a trend that I'm expecting to see um, kind of accelerate in the coming years. Right. Right. Uh, another one is also interesting is the channels as well. Cause you know, we are uh, cryptos and, um, you know, the in terms of metaverse and coming up, and um, so you know, uh, it's it's not just a um, 
Well, B two B two C certainly has you know starting to tap into programmatic and geofencing, OTT, all those good stuff, right? Yeah. And um, so you know you can be so targeted now, and in fact, it's scary. You know, the other day I was in a, a, a mega center, and I was walking up to an, an aisle picking up this um lotion product. It's a brand new product, and you have point of sale saying that introducing um this new product, and you know with all these you know skincare benefits. I simply pick it up. I did not speak. We all know that we're being listened on our mobile, so that's not surprising. But I did not say a word. I pick it up and I put it back on the shelf and I went home. And the next thing I went on my Facebook, I've been targeted by the exact same product. I would just say, this is just scary. <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's some, there's some interesting questions about, about ethics there because uh, I think what you want, marketers always want to have the right message at the right time. Because right. uh, it's going to you know increase your conversion. Similar to you, I was at a, there's like a stately home close to where I live in the UK. And my membership, we go there two or three times a year for the kids to ride their bike around around it. And I was there at the weekend, and I knew my um my membership was coming to an end. And the second I got there, I got an email saying, "Hey, here's your membership's up for renewal. Here's a ten percent discount on the renewal." And I renewed it. I might not have renewed otherwise. Right. So good mark good marketing at the right time is fine, but there is a crossover point where it becomes a just a bit big brothery and some kind of creepy tools out there that can uh, track you around the internet that, yeah, I think marketers have got to have a an interesting kind of conversations with themselves and their departments around ethics. I think that's an important Yeah, uh, no, I, I kind of agree as well. You know, we, we, have you seen the movie uh, Social Dilemma? I haven't. Oh, okay. It's fantastic and it's scary at the same time. <laughs> so, <laughs> highly recommend to watch that. But uh, um, yeah, 100%, you know, marketers need to take that um, responsible lens and um, to look at, you know, how we conduct ourselves, how we go to, go to market. And, um, you know, obviously there's law, but there's also ethics. And it's a fine line for sure. You know, I've seen some artificial intelligence technology coming out. It's, it's literally scary. You know, you can replicate a deceased person and you can talk to these holograms and like you're talking to the your, your grandfather. And, you know, you ask a question and you will answer the way that your grandfather thinks and feels. And, I was just like, wow, this is, you know, it's absolutely the metaverse world coming coming up, obviously. Um, and how marketers, you know, really in such a short period amount of time, they need to understanding all that and the understanding of role, how responsibly play that role in the, you know, uh, the future marketing technology. I think it's yeah. a critical thing that, you know, worth us, you know, as a community to discuss as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, it's exciting. I think um lots ahead to talk about and um conscious of time. So um yeah, lot of you know looking forward to uh, uh listening to some of your discussions and uh, um the next show I'm gonna bring up will be you know focus more on the culture side because uh, um the sales marketing alignment piece and um as that we see that is still pretty much a top um uh, challenge for many organizations. So, um, yeah, looking forward to uh, uh, your show as well and uh, um, discussing about all sorts of good stuff on the revenue marketing topic. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to probably take a dive into the evolution of MarTech. Uh, I know we touched on it um, yeah, just a moment ago, but from, uh, you know, just having a website all the way through to these kind of platforms now and some of the kind of slight look at the future in terms of what we might expect uh, in terms of revenue marketing and its interplay with um, the technology that underpins it. So that's probably what I'm going to dive into. But yeah, Eve, a really interesting discussion, a brief kind of canter through our uh, past and 
our careers to date that have led us to this point. And uh, I guess underpinning all of that is the evolution of marketing from a um, from an analog industry into something that's very much digital first and something that's very focused on uh, revenue, which is where I think it needs to be. No, that sounds awesome. Well, it's been a, a fantastic dialogue, so Paul. So looking forward to uh, uh, many more. And uh, so, um, yeah, we'll probably just end the sh- uh, first show today. And um, um, yeah, looking forward to our next dialogue. And um, yeah, catch you later. <laughs> Great. See you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to check out our other episodes for even more insights into the world of revenue marketing.